The Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Let us humbly confess our sins unto Almighty God. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life. To the glory of thy holy name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution and remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, open thou our lips. And our mouth shall shall forth thy praise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Psalms 6 and 26. O Lord, rebuke me not in thine indignation, neither chasten me in thy displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul also is sore troubled, but Lord, how long wilt thou punish me? Turn thee, O Lord, and deliver my soul. O save me for thy mercy's sake. For in death no man remembereth thee, and who will give thee thanks in the pit? I am weary of my groaning. Every night wash I my bed, and water my couch with my tears. My beauty is gone for very trouble, and worn away because of all mine enemies. Away from me, all ye that work iniquity, for the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard my petition, the Lord will receive my prayer. All mine enemies shall be confounded and sore vexed, they shall be turned back and put to shame suddenly. Be thou my judge, O Lord, for I have walked innocently. My trust hath been also in the Lord, therefore I shall not fall. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try out my reins and my heart. For thy loving kindness is ever before mine eyes, and I will walk in thy truth. I have not dwelt with vain persons, neither will I have fellowship with the deceitful. I have hated the congregation of the wicked, and will not sit among the ungodly. I will wash my hands in innocency, O Lord, and so will I go to thine altar. 
that I may show the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. O shut not up my soul with the sinners, nor my life with the bloodthirsty. In whose hands is wickedness, and their right hand is full of gifts. But as for me, I will walk innocently. O deliver me, and be merciful unto me. My foot standeth right. I will praise the Lord in the congregations. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here beginneth the tenth verse of the seventh chapter of the book of Ezekiel. Behold the day, behold it has come, doom has gone out, the rod has blossomed, pride has budded, violence has risen up into a rod of wickedness, none of them shall remain none of their multitude, none of them, nor shall there be wailing for them. The time has come, the day draws near. Let not the buyer rejoice, nor the seller mourn, for wrath is on their whole multitude, for the seller shall not return to what has been sold, though he may still be alive, for the vision concerns the whole multitude, and it shall not turn back. No one will strengthen himself who lives in iniquity. They have blown the trumpet and made everyone ready, but no one goes to battle, for my wrath is on all their multitude. The sword is outside, and the pestilence and famine within. Whoever is in the field will die by the sword, and whoever is in the city, famine and pestilence will devour him. Make a chain for the land is filled with crimes of blood, and the city is full of violence. Therefore I will bring the worst of the Gentiles, and they will possess their houses. I will cause the pomp of the strong to cease, and their holy places shall be defiled. Destruction comes. They will seek peace, but there shall be none. Disaster will come upon disaster, and rumor will be upon rumor. Then they will seek a vision from a prophet, but the law will perish from the priest, and counsel from the elders. The king will mourn, the prince will be clothed with desolation, and the hands of the common people will tremble. I will do to them according to their way, and according to what they deserve, I will judge them. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. Here endeth the first lesson. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowliness of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed, for he that is mighty hath magnified me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him throughout all generations. He hath showed strength with his arm, he hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seat, and hath exalted the humble and meek. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He, remembering his mercy, hath holpen his servant Israel, 
as he promised to our forefathers, Abraham and his seed forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here beginneth the 13th verse of the second chapter of the Gospel according to St. John. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. So the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show to us, since you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, It has taken forty-six years to build this temple. And will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them, because he knew all men, and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Here endeth the second lesson. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people to be a light to lighten the Gentiles, and to be the glory of thy people Israel. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O Lord, save the state. And mercifully hear us when we call upon thee. And do thy ministers with righteousness. And make thy chosen people joyful. O Lord, save thy people and bless thine inheritance. Give peace in our time, O Lord. 
for it is thou, Lord, only that makest us dwell in safety. O God, may clean our hearts within us. And take not thy Holy Spirit from us. O Lord, we beseech thee mercifully to receive the prayers of thy people who call upon thee, and grant that they may both perceive and know what things they ought to do, and also may have grace and power faithfully to fulfill the same. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee, we being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness, through the merits of Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Light in our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night, for the love of thy only Son, our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Good evening, all. As we go into the two lessons tonight, there we have to understand that in uh, that something that may escape our notice when we're reading Ezekiel is that there's a kind of temple imagery that is in the background of Ezekiel all the time. The irony of which being that Ezekiel is already a prophet and sort of becomes a prophet in exile um, and is sort of interacting with God as though this place in exile that he is in um, is the meeting place of heaven and earth where God in the previous chapters in his fullness has come to meet and to reveal himself in a kind of theophany to Ezekiel and to converse with him and commission him as a prophet to those in the exile. And so that, that kind of meeting place there is significant because um, in the background of that, you have the actual temple back in Jerusalem where, um, it, where there's sort of, where there's still business as usual going on. And Ezekiel is part of this first wave or this early wave of exiles that are deported from the Southern kingdom to exile in Babylon. Um, and he's sort of meeting with God who's out in the field among the exiles with his people in exile, um, which sort of is suggestive that um, that he is not at that. He's not there sort of communing in the temple where, you know, where everyone thinks, oh, of course, God is over there in that big house up on the hill there in the middle of Jerusalem. And so the significance of that is the backdrop of our reading from Ezekiel tonight, where uh, God pronounces through Ezekiel that the day of doom is here. And what that means is that the day of visitation and the day of judgment has come now upon the city of the city of the temple, the temple city of Jerusalem, where everybody is going about business as usual and sort of obliquely paying homage to the temple in their midst, while at the same time just sort of um, flouting the laws, the sort of the and the way of life that have been established by the law um, to govern them and to lead them in the ways of God and the ways of life by uh, by definition. And so because they have departed from this while at the same time playing, paying a sort, of, um, a sort of superficial homage to the temple, a great revelation is about to be done where all of a sudden, all of this is going to be wound up because what, had, what, they, what, it, what has been purporting as a, as a way of life centered around the ways of the Lord has in fact been quite the opposite of it. Violence has, has sort of come into, has, has come, become full flowering within the city, injustice, uh, a neglect of the poor, oppression. Um, and because of all of these things, um, the whole reason for the existence of Jerusalem as the place where God is met and through whom, through his people and through whose people the, that, that God is revealed, 
um, they have renounced and forsaken this vocation. And so God is now meeting with the prophet out in the field of Babylon, uh, and this temple is sort of by definition lying vacant. Um, and so it's reflective of the kind of empty heart at the heart of the temple city that should be filled with life, that what is purporting to be a place of life has actually become a place of death. And so for this, um, all that death is now going to be allowed to sort of uh, run its full course through the rest of the city, and their whole way of life is about to come to a calamitous end, um, such that um, you know, such that the whole economy around that temple and that whole sort of way of life of that temple city is about to be un, about to be broken. And it won't be, as he tells Ezekiel, you know, it won't be in sort of a temporary way such that everyone will get a slap on the wrist and then they'll go back to life as usual in their way of doing things. It'll be this, this upending that no one who departs from it will return to in the same way. This is an utter ending, a breaking of this way of, of, of being, of, of, of this way of doing life. And that's reflected and, and, and really repeated, and, and, um, and, and that's the backdrop of what Jesus is doing in John chapter 2. Um, we understand, as we've been reading John's gospel so far, that John is telling the gospel story as a continuous theophany, um, that uh, as a kind of revealing of God, as a kind of manifestation of God, which is really the, the theme of our season right now. And because of this theophany, we see what happens when God draws near to different peoples and different individuals and different kinds of people throughout this gospel. And it's really a kind of continuous commentary on how on how certain people respond and what's the right way to respond when the God of gods comes near to you and draws near to you. In some cases, we've seen, you know, great piety. You know, we've seen um, initial sort of, um, you know, sort of suspicion that then gives way to like a complete, you know, obedience with the case of the calling of the disciples in chapter one. We see John the Baptist who sees the who sees Christ coming to him and immediately falls down. It's like, behold, the Lamb of God. That's the right response. And now what we're seeing here in chapter two is this counterpoint that we'll see throughout the gospel where Jesus comes to a place and it does not recognize him. And because of that, it reveals the poverty uh, of their piety. It reveals the the lack of understanding they have about who God really is, such that when God himself comes among them, um, it comes actually into the temple that is his home. Everyone is just going about a sort of callous business as usual. They're sort of selling trinkets and selling sort of religious paraphernalia for use in the temple. Um, and when the God of gods, whose home the temple is, comes there, uh, instead of saying, like, welcome home, Lord, you know, welcome back to the temple that we haven't seen you in in many centuries. Instead, it's just like, yeah, will it be a dove or a goat? What do you want today? You know, and it's that it's that kind of um, lack of recognition that reveals that spiritual poverty at the heart of Jerusalem in the time of Christ. And so when Jesus starts flipping tables in the temple, this is seen and has been commented by theologians like um, N.T. Wright um, to be an act, a sort of sign of judgment against the temple as a sort of judging of the temple and a way of a sort of symbolically throwing down and disrupting its um, its sort of activities, much in the same way Ezekiel would see in his own time. And so in the time of Christ, you know, you have many people going about business as usual. And Jesus says, you know, this place is now judged. And the, the religious sort of authorities, uh, you know, in the temple there say, you know, what gives you the right to declare such a thing? You know, like, what are you, a prophet? You know, what are you, you know, what, what, what's going on with you that you think you can say things like this? And Jesus, you know, reveals to them the sign by which he will 
establish and bear witness to the authority he has to declare judgment over the temple in all of its ways. Um, but that will happen much well, later in the crucifixion and resurrection. The resurrection will be the definitive sign that God, the God of gods vindicates his son on earth and thus vindicates everything he has declared and will bind it to all those he has declared it to, whether it be for the, the forgiveness of their sins or for the judgment of their, their failure to repent and recognize God among them. And so it's a, it's a, all of these things are being sort of slowly established in both books, um, but you have to see the parallelism between them that this, this kind of theme of visitation is constant. And it's really a call to us in the season of epiphany which sometimes is looked at as a kind of just a, a call to evangelism of like, yeah, look to the outsider and, you know, tell them about Jesus. Um, it's really a, you know, before it's any of that, it's not, it's not, not that, but before it's any of that, before it has an evangelistic quality to it, we have to remember that epiphany or in, as the Eastern, our Eastern brethren call it theophany, as it, as we celebrate it, we're really celebrating God coming among us. What that does though, is it reveals everything near it near him when he draws near to it it reveals the true substance of us and of all the things that we say and do and so this is reflected of course in our mass when we when we gather together and we you know we begin mass by saying uh, almighty god unto whom all hearts are open all desires known and from whom no secrets are hid um, that's not just a sort of private interaction we're sort of we're recognizing that in, in, in God drawing near to us in our gathering on Sunday, all that we are is now laid bare before him. And if we could see with the eyes of him, we would see each other uh, in that same light as well. And it's from that posture that the only sort of uh, the only sort of follow up is to sort of fall to our knees and repent once more, come back to him, return to him and ask for help in walking in the ways of the Lord that lead to life. So. Uh, a couple of thoughts for us tonight. Continuing with our intercession on page 590. As we turn there, let's go ahead and call to mind all those for whom we are praying this evening. Let us pray. Accept, O Lord, our intercessions for all mankind. Let the light of thy gospel shine upon all nations, and may as many as have received it live as becomes it. Be gracious unto thy church, and grant that every member of the same in his vocation and ministry may serve thee faithfully. Bless all in authority over us, and so rule their hearts and strengthen their hands, that they may punish wickedness and vice and maintain thy true religion and virtue. Send down 